This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent supporters podcast that looks at our national football team. Thank you all very much for the feedback on the recent episode. And despite the results and the performances, you still gave the review episode a listen. (laughs) You gluttons for punishments. Uh, But thank you for it. Thank you very much. Please feel free to tell your friends about it. I'd usually say it can be something to listen to when you're on the way to a game on a Saturday or the like. But with the season now started, we're still not allowed in at many levels. And I think, like last season, I began to lose interest quite quickly with the fact fans weren't allowed in. It's true, football without fans is nothing. And I'm worried this may happen with England the longer this goes on not being able to go to games. As time goes on, I have nothing tangible to remember them by. It'll just be me sitting at home, watching it on the telly, on my sofa. Sadly, with the current situation and the new guidelines, any thoughts about attending games next month, I think are pretty much out of the question. And November? Can't say I'm confident about that either. Anyway, on to more positive things. Coming up on this episode... We speak with True Colours author John Devlin about the latest England shirts and we also hear what it was like to be in Iceland behind the fence with England fan Chad Thomas. But first, it was revealed shortly after I released the last podcast that England would be playing New Zealand in November in a friendly. In fact, it had already been leaked by a New Zealand website back on the 2nd of September. Now, they are currently ranked 122nd in the FIFA rankings and we'll play them before our final set of Nations League games against Belgium and Iceland. And with the greatest of respect to them, I really can't see the benefits of playing them. This is a side that, by the looks of it, only played twice last year, losing to both the Republic of Ireland and Lithuania. Now, they actually play Belgium next month Again, I see very little point in that. And it seems quite a few of the Kiwis play in Europe or in America's MLS, so they won't have a huge distance to travel. But the remaining players, coming from either Australia or New Zealand, plus the staff and all the associated equipment, is going to be transported from the other side of the globe. Which seems a little bit unnecessary to me. With regards to previous encounters, you may be surprised to know, or maybe not, uh, we've only played them twice before. And that was back in 1991 in a tour down under, which saw us also play Australia and Malaysia, which I guess could also be said was probably a little bit pointless. But we won both games within the space of a week. I've actually seen New Zealand play before. I took in their game against Slovakia in the 2010 World Cup in Rustenburg, which was a few days after our draw against America in the same ground. Less said about that, the better. But despite me saying all that, come November, I'll do my best to get an angle on them from a New Zealand correspondent. Although one thing that 
did cross my mind about why we could be playing New Zealand. I don't know if this is true either. Um, I don't even know how you would even find out if it's true or not. But Australia and New Zealand were awarded the Women's World Cup, the next one coming up. I don't know if RFA uh, voted for Australia and New Zealand to be awarded that. I don't know if this friendly is sort of a payback, if that sort of thing actually happens. Uh, I don't know. Really have no idea. Now, something that may have gone under the radar recently was the news that both the senior men and the lionesses have been paid equally in match fees and bonuses since January for representing the country, according to the FA. What players get paid isn't something I generally care about. I've no control over it. And for the vast majority, it is quite a short career. Make hay while the sun shines is what I say. This is very much a step in the right direction and brings us into line with the likes of Brazil, Australia, New Zealand and Norway, who all do the same. I've no idea how much you get paid for playing for England. And again, not something I'm fussed about. But I'm led to believe that the men generally donate their fees to charity. Well, that was certainly the case in the past. Whether the women will do or have done, I don't know. But it's clear that the men get paid more by their club size than the women do. So I wouldn't begrudge the women for holding on to it. Anyway, it's enough about money. Makes me feel dirty. As you can imagine, it's attracted a fair few negative comments on social media. But full credit to the FA, I say. Now, speaking of negative social media comments, here's some. Not sure enough energy was put into designing that kit. Must have been furloughed before finishing it. Just awful. Another one. Awful. Looked like something you'd get from one of those second-hand stalls on Fleetwood Market. (laughs) Another one. Not for me. The home shirt is boring. Slightly more interested with the away one. Although, there there are positive ones. Someone has said, the new home shirt is actually pretty fresh. Retro yet modern. Really like it. Of course, I'm talking about the New England kits. Obviously, we've had the recent Nations League matches, which saw England take on both Iceland and Denmark in the new white home shirt. But the under-21s were the first to don that home kit against Kosovo. All white shirt, shorts and socks. And then they wore the blue away whilst playing Austria in their Euro 2021 qualifier. I think it's safe to say they have been a talking point of late. And I'm pleased to say I've been joined by John Devlin, he of True Colours Football Kits Books and Brand. Hello, John. How are you? Russell, yeah, not bad at all, thank you. Yourself? Yes, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. All yeah, the better good. for talking to you. How come? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. You, um, you may remember we, we spoke, it was a couple of years ago now. and it Was, was it really? Yeah, it was around the time, uh, well, it was around the time of the, the previous England shirts, and you were, in fact, my very first guest when I took wow. the podcast on. <laughs> I didn't realise, well, do you know, I think I do remember that now, so that was quite an honour, quite an honour, <laughs> Russell. <laughs> Thank you. Well, well you're, you're now a regular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every two years. <laughs> yes. Um, but I know you have been taking a little break from from general kit chat, um, yeah. so again, I'm, yeah. I'm really pleased that you've you've joined me for, for this no one. No problem at all. Always a pleasure. Um, I mean, I wanted to, to talk about the, the England shirts, but I wanted to just to wait a little to, to see them sort of in action and yeah. in 
in flesh, as it were. <clears throat> I went into my to my local sports shop before I uh, before I kind of commented on them. I think that'd be a uh, be the best way to do it. I don't know if you've seen them, have you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right to do that, and I think that's a valuable lesson. You almost can't pass judgment until you've seen it worn, and you've seen it, and you've held it, and had a real close look at it. So that's quite a wise approach, I think. Yeah, I um, I only saw the what they call the stadium shirts. Right. My my local okay. sports direct, they that appeared to be the only one they were selling. Um, so I haven't seen the the match the, shirt or the yeah, players the, shirt, the vapor match shirt. Yeah. Vapor is, is yeah. vapor. Is that the is that the Nike term? Yeah, I mean, it started off, I think, a couple of years back, and it was the um, the vapor kind of template. And it feels like the way that Adidas have their templates, the um, the Condivo is one that springs to mind, and they just update it every year. You get a sense that this is Nike's approach, and they're going to just keep updating it as it goes on. Similar with Kappa and the combat shirts. You know, every two years there'd be a new version of the combat jersey and uh, it, it goes on like that. So, but I think it's mainly referring, obviously, to the, 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 um, the fabric is the, the key thing here, I think. I see. Now, I mean, these, these England shirts, they were, mm. it, it's not as if they're sort of new to us because they kind of been, they were leaked so early in the year oh, because I guess yeah. they were planned for the, the games that were cancelled, the Italy and Denmark games. So it's kind of, they're not really that new to us. It's really weird, isn't it? And I think it ties back to what you were saying about waiting to see them warm because, you know, it's really had the, um, uh, the Shazam sucked out of it because we've all seen these leaked photos. So actually when they appeared, it was a bit of a damp squib, let's be, let's be honest. But it, what I find so intriguing about these kits is that they're actually very symptomatic of where kits are at. And that includes leaks and the, re- the reaction to when they finally come out, how they're then received. Because we've had this, you know, like a grubby, low-res image to work on, and it's just taken that sting out of it. Mm. I mean, with leaks of shirts, are they done on purpose? How does that happen? <laughs> oh, I've got to be careful here what I say. Okay. I think they sometimes they have been. I know for a fact that Adidas hate leaks. They're absolutely, they're passionately against leaks. And But then again, I've known um, when I've been very fortunate enough to see previews of kits, that when I see the final result, it's not quite as it was portrayed to me. A classic example, and I think it's okay to probably share this, is when I saw the Scotland um, Adidas kit, it had uh, different shorts and socks. And then when the right. final kit comes out the next week, it was something again, something different. So it's almost like they they are um, careful about how it happens. But I know that leaks generally aren't aren't favoured. No, I see. Now I, I listened back to our chat when we spoke before, um, yeah. and I uh, I said I liked the the previous home shirt, but I I just wanted to have it a, a little bit more to it. I thought it was just a a little bit too plain. Whilst it had the the little bits of details here and there I just wanted it to have a little bit more and I think it's safe to say this new England home shirt has probably got that just a little bit more I think that's a very fair comment I I uh do you know what I might as well come right out and say I really like the home shirt I think it I think it works I think it does exactly what you said it's plain enough but also it's got these 
little details, the, the things that lift it and make it a little bit special. I don't know if you follow any old 60s and 70s and even 80s web Facebook pages talking about football nostalgia. Everyone's clambering for plain shirts. So there must be gents of a certain age. The younger generation all want Larry shirts, which we're getting in, in the you know, truckloads at the moment. So I, I thought when I saw this, I thought, you know what? It, it really it keeps that England tradition, but it's got those nice touches, as you say, that little bit more. Yeah. Well, I guess to start with, the, the shirt to me is, is very sort of reminiscent of the 98 World Cup shirt. I think just because it has the, the central crest and the numbers will be central, yeah. but it has the side panel or the side colours, which back in 98 was a, a, a dark navy blue and a red, if I'm right. Yeah. And now this one has the these flashes, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, the 98 one was a, I think, Umbro, it was big blocks of colour. If, if you recall, it was, everything was very angular. The, the collar was very pointy. It was big panels um it was quite a bold look but again with that centralized badge and a huge umbro word mark so it was a very different it was a kind of reminiscent but, but a very different beast at the same time mm. i think having the badge essentially is a something that excites me because it's different where we've if we look back over recent kits we've had decades of manufacturer's logo on the right of the shirt badge on the left over the heart and it's it's for me, it's become quite tedious. And I think if you look back further back to the early 90s, actually even to the early 2000s, there was more of an asymmetrical look. There were people were doing different things. And that's what I like is when things are a little bit different and they just, just without being outrageous, but just, mm. just keep it fresh, you know? Just a little shake-up. Mm. When I was looking at these flashes down the side of the shirts, it's actually got a Three Lions sort of embossed within it which is a, a, okay. a nice touch that you'll yeah. only sort of see when really up close um, but yeah. one thing that one thing that did strike me and I don't know if this was because maybe I picked up a smaller size mm. but the crest seemed to be smaller I don't know if that is something that on the shirt itself mm. yeah it just seemed to be a bit smaller it possibly, if it was a younger, a smaller size, it may well be. I think what they do, most um, kit designers, they tend to work in pairs a lot of the time. So you have somebody that's a fabrics expert and somebody that's a graphic um, application expert. So the fabric designer will all be about the cut, the, what kind of fabric they're using, what kind of ribs on the collar, things like that. And the graphics guy will say, well, actually, the badge needs to be X centimetres high, you know? And so they will work out size-wise what balances and what looks what looks best so that that yeah that probably wouldn't surprise me if, if, if that was the case yeah i'm yeah, sure I, but yeah uh, that may well have been i think i i, I it may may have picked up the, a different size. Um, I mean, my own personal opinion, for, for yeah. some reason, I was never really a fan of the 98 shirt, but mm. I, I don't really know why. And because I can almost see that 98 shirt in this shirt, I'm not immediately <laughs> taken by it. There, I've, there's certainly nothing yeah. wrong with it. Okay. And it sounds very sort of hypocritical of me saying I just wanted something just a little bit more. Yeah. And this shirt has just a little bit more, but it just it just hasn't got that little bit more that I wanted. Right. Um, but, right. but you no, can't fix everyone. No, I hear, um, what you're, I hear what you're saying. I think, um, you know, the, the flash down the side is a nice touch. 
you're seeing that in, I think, two main, maybe even three different styles on Nike's roster this year. One is this kind of angular approach where it kind of splits halfway through. And the other one is a straightforward strip, some of which have messages on. I think the Chelsea one has something on it. Pride of London, is it maybe? I don't know. Something like that. So these are nice little touches. So I think that that works. That works quite well. But again, it's this centralised positioning. And when you see the shirt in action and you see the badge on there, that then finishes it off. And when I watched the game, I thought to myself, okay, that splash of red from the squad number, that's, mm. that readdresses a balance there. And I thought that was quite interesting. So yeah. designers are designing shirts, bearing in mind, they're geared up for the replica world, but on the pitch, they will have a squad number on the front. And that needs to be taken into account. Interesting insight, that one. Uh, as I say, I, I listened back to our, our previous mm. chat, and there was one mm. thing that you mentioned, um, was that each new shirt or, or the kit has to be just sufficiently different to the previous one to keep people interested. And I think it's done that. It's sort of the, the progression onwards. I think that's a key, a key thing. And I think I mentioned, if I didn't, it's certainly my kind of philosophy, is it's all to do with the collar. I think the collar is the, the cornerstone of the kit. So whatever, however the neck is designed, that sets the tone for what the rest of the design is going to be like. So if you have two green kits in a row that have a navy neck, straight away you're, you're, you've got a little bit of a stumbling block in making it look sufficiently different. Just, just, it's, I don't want to explain myself. I mean, that's kind of how I see it. So I think that's, this works in that context. Because we've gone back to... A neck design that with the element, the trim, reminds me a little bit of that very first Umbro kit when they came back to uh, to Wembley in 82, 83, when they had the, the, the delicate trim. So it's got that kind of feel to it as well. Okay. Yeah. I've, do you know what? I've got the I've got your True Colours International football Ooh. kits book here. Don't um, go just by looking, that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just looking back on it for, to see that one. That's the home shirt. Yeah. The away one. Now, which I, again, so, so many things, I think, on this one. I mean, traditionally, England have had a red away shirt mm. predominantly over the years. And I think many people associate red being the England away colour. My own opinion, probably because of the the 66 World Cup win. But, yeah, to, yeah. to change to blue was a uh, a bit of a bit of a surprise and the original leaked photos i looked at it and i thought wow that's that's bright and especially with a a red crest on it i didn't yeah, particularly yeah. looked it sort of clashed with me when i again went to to look at it physically in the shop it wasn't as bright as i had sort of thought in my head from the pictures oh, okay. which kind of made it made it a little bit better for me yeah yeah but you mentioned the collar as well. I certainly don't think a round neck collar that the, the home one has would work mm. on this away one. I think with that button-up collar, looks quite nice. No. It's, it's really funny, actually, Russell. I could probably talk for hours about this away shirt and all the kind of um, things it triggers in me. <laughs> I won't, though. Don't worry. Um, oh, go on. What, what does it bring to mind straight away? <laughs> well, no, I think it's my biggest problem with it is that as a set of kids they don't work. Right. It looks like a different team. It looks like a different design team. For me, there's no continuity there. You've got the badge on there, but even that's been deconstructed, if you like, and represented tonally 
which, as you rightly said, it's visible. Visibly, it's it's hard work. I don't get it. I mean, as as a pattern, it's okay. I, I think this this fad for heavily patterned shirts will will go, as they as it did in the early nineties. You know, and then we'll have a period where we mock them, and then we'll have a period where we celebrate them. That's kind of how this cycle, I imagine, is going to go. For me, it's we're we're in an era where away shirts have to be different colours. That's the, the kind of driving force. So you look at Nike's third shirts they brought out, how they've experimented with colour, taken influence from trainers and things like that. So the idea of sticking with a red shirt, I guess in retrospect, was never going to be on the cards. So they were always going to do something different. I'm actually surprised they haven't gone for something even more outrageous, you know? Yeah, so I'm aware I'm going on already here. <laughs> but I think for me, it's the fact that they don't work as a set of kids. Right. So side by side, you go out to a tournament, and these, these are primarily obviously going to be for Euro 2020. That's not going to happen. It'll be next year. But as a set of kids, it, it feels uh, there's, there's a gap, a chasm between them. What do you think they're trying to sort of replicate there or, or play <laughs> on? To me, I, I look at it and I think, okay, you've, you've got this sort of three lions within the this yeah. pattern. Are they trying to sort of touch on that? the third shirt from 1990 or is it going to be the one where they had the three lions within sort of a diagonal angle? Um, um, You know, actually I think looking at it, it's a tone of blue that England, I'm I'm going back through my head at the moment that England haven't worn for many, many years. I think they wore something similar, possibly in the fifties. I think there was a, a, a collared shirt in the very old style and I think there was a blue V-neck shirt when the uh, the mid fifties kind of continental boom started. It's always been light blue, sky blue, light blue, and then the umbro uh, navy blue when that came out. So as a tone of blue, it har- it harks back to to much much further back. Interestingly, they've brought that blue in the badge on the home kit and also in that trim in the neck and the side panels. So there's, there's a very thin sliver of that blue. So it's it's almost it feels like they're trying to create a new culture with this, I would suggest. But as as you've said from reading out those opinions from social media, I've never seen a set of kits so universally disliked. I have to say, I was quite shocked at how unpopular they were. Mm. Will Nike take that on board? When I've spoken to designers in the past, yeah, you can flip through a lot of comments, and there'll be hate, 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 love. Hate, 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 love, and you know it's it's a mixed bag. You cannot knee jerk react to what people are saying. The older I get, I think part of me loves loves it when things are shaken up a bit. You know, I really love it, but it needs to be within parameters that still work. If that makes sense. The Man United third kit, not to go off topic, is outrageous. Have they pushed it too far? That's you know that's up for debate. But I think. They they can't take everything on board, but I think, as I say, the older you get, you have to respect what people want, I, I feel. And we've seen a trend in the, all the major kit manufacturers that they give people what they believe should be the kit. And that's possibly from a design perspective, that's possibly correct. But I do wonder whether they're listening enough to what people want. The, the football shirt, in many respects, has been devalued in some context. And I think it's such a precious bit of football, isn't it? The shirts. Mm. Oh yeah. You know, and I always come from my football, my kit appreciation 
is always from a football perspective. Whereas now we're seeing kits being admired by people that actually have very little interest in the game and are seeing it from a fashion perspective. We're a bit nervous of that. So I always look at it from football. What does this mean for the football team? Does it enhance the football team? And that's why I think the home shirt works better than the away. One thing that I just, um, as I say, I looked at it in in the shop with the away away shirt, the... um, there's a, a nice little touch just on the, the collar button, which probably you won't see oh, unless okay. you see it right up close. Yeah. Um, it's just got sort of in, in wording, we are lions, we are England, just written around the button. Okay. Which, I, which I thought was a nice little touch. Yeah, I mean, they, they, there are some nice touches to it. And as a pattern itself, it, it's, it's interesting enough. But again, the boundaries are being blurred between um, training wear and, and kids. And, you know, you used to put a spot a training jersey from a mile off. Whereas now you could probably do a double take. Is that is that a Walmart jersey or is that a match jersey? It's it's um, those boundaries are being blurred all the time, yeah. and it's it's interesting to see. And another thing which is I think interesting when you look at the um, the football leagues number font, I think the the, the, the number font's really poor cool as well in terms of legibility. For the the England ones. Yeah, for the England ones. And I think the the EFL is the the same. But when you look at the numbers there, you think, okay, it's a a nice, visually attractive bit of design. But I think if you need to work at figuring out what that number is, is it doing its job? And that goes back again to the England badge. You know, that England badge, tonal badges are fine in their right place. But when you look at a red badge on a blue jersey, I I want to see that. That's the England badge, you know. It's got some, it's got some gravitas. Yeah, no, nope. understand what you're saying. I mean, one thing as well, the the immediate sort of knee jerk was, or people didn't tend to like it. But the other thing, which um, I don't know whether you know too much about, or the in depth side of it, is is just the general cost of them. Mm. For a, um, obviously, you mentioned the design element, and I'm sure the people that design them take a uh, a, a hefty cut or, or something, but. Generally, these these Nike shirts are are seventy pounds, aren't they? Yeah, I mean we, we're getting it. Uh, we're bordering on Daily Mail outrage territory here. We have to be a little <laughs> bit careful, and because it, it feels like I'm sounding like that as well. Because I looked uh, looking at these in preparation for talking with you, and I thought, my God, look at that! Look at those costs. You know, you're looking at the the um, the exact replica shirt. What's it? Hundred quid, something like that. Yeah. It's it's a huge amount of money. It's good. Yeah. They've got to be good. But I think we're, we're in a danger. I think the football kit world's in a dangerous place at the moment. I think we've got vastly overpriced old shirts and we've got vastly overpriced new shirts. And it feels a bit like um, we just think we've just got to be a bit careful. Because, you know, I think I've said before that the goose laid the golden egg. This doesn't want to, they want, they've got to keep replica sales going. Yeah. It's about giving people what they want and just being mindful that you can't. You might not better get away with, you know, not doing that. So if you were to if you were to give the, the pair a a mark out of ten, oh, what would God. you what would you go for? As as a pair or individually? Uh, individually, gone. Okay. Well do, do you know what? I'm looking at it again. I'm looking at the home shirt again. I'm gonna give that eight. Okay. I I I do think it works and I think it works even better, despite the fact that the font's not great in my view, not clear enough. As a that splash of red on there on the on the number adds that little bit to it. The away shirt, I'm looking at a three for that. 
Wow, that that yeah. Does that is that vastly different to yours? What do you? Uh, do you know? I think I'd give the home. I think I was torn between a six and a seven, so probably six okay. and a half. Um, yeah. And I and I still just can't get beyond that that ninety eight element to it uh, as again there's nothing wrong with it but yes the the away shirt i think i'll i'd join you on a uh, on a three um mm. it's just it's just a little bit too garish for me and and i think that the red and the blue just don't tend to go go together enough for me oh one thing i was going to to just say this is yeah. um nike's fifth home wow. shirt that england yeah. had done because I was, I was looking through your book and and it is to their credit they have they have switched it around each time as they've gone along. Little elements have changed um, because they started back with the the, the 150th centenary yeah. um, shirt, and then Which, it's not many miles away from this, is it? Really, it's round neck, yeah, very very dark blue. I think that was a lot of, that gained a lot of criticism because people said it looks it's too much like West Germany, yeah. uh, West Germany, Schlumberg, Germany. But I think then you look at the fact that. You cannot please everybody if people are criticising that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then, then they went for the all white. Then they went for the the white with the the blue sleeves. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then the the most re- or the, the one from the last World Cup was was again white, but had sort of the flashes of red. Yeah, it's interesting but, that they wore white shirts against uh, white shorts against Iceland as well, didn't they? Yes. Um, and yet officially, it's navy. But I was told a while back that. Uh, a, they always like to have England in all white in tournaments and white navy in qualifications. So maybe they've not sure whether they've switched that around this time. But that oh. was a tradition that had just started to become the norm. Was that oh. if it's a major tournament, all white. Well, so go. yeah, but that, do you know what? It remains to be seen till next year. We'll see. Yes. It, hopefully it will it will kick off okay. But um, that's when we'll see it. Yeah. yeah. Well, so just just once again, the, the the book International Football Kits. We we spoke just before it was released. How, how did it go down? Yeah, it went. It was it was brilliant. The reaction has been fantastic. Um, it was number one in four Amazon charts at one point, um, and shortlisted for the Daily the Telegraph Sports Book of the Year Award Illustrated category oh, last wow. year. So it, it, it was uh, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it was a, a massive project huge project but um it's great that it's been so warmly received illustrating these kits at the moment with the complexity of them i don't know if i'd ever get them finished now if I didn't look <laughs> it could take hours and hours but uh, wow. yeah but it went very well thank you yeah. oh good no it's always a joy to to pick it up and and flick through it um just any any of your books if, if people haven't <clears throat> got them true colors one two and the international football kits and 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 dare i ask you any more thoughts about maybe doing <laughs> any more or is that just after do you know what i've always got thoughts of doing it at the moment no <laughs> blues, we have blues we have got a first refusal on and they need they've got a first option on the next on our next one and yeah. we did talk about something but of course the world being upside down at the moment you know, everything's changing, isn't it? I, I, I still love to do, but you know, Russell. I think I said before that the the clearance side of it is such a pain. It's um, yeah. it stops you. It can be problematic in actually enjoying the process when you have to then go through and get all those those copyrighted permissions. But uh, yeah. uh, we'll see. Wouldn't it? I'd love it. I'd love it if we did. But. Well, well, let's talk again. Maybe when uh, when there's another in England shirts to uh, to talk about. Definitely, I'd change your mind. I'd love to.
John, thank you very much, as always, for your time. And, and no if problem. To, anyone wants to find you on Twitter or, or the like, isn't it at True Colours, I believe? At True, uh, yeah, at True Colours Kits, I think it is. Yeah. Or drop me a line, John, at truecoloursfootballkits.com. Great stuff. Thank you very Sounds much. Sounds good. My pleasure. Thank you for asking me on. Now, when the Nations League draw was made, for many of us, our eyes lit up at the prospect of Iceland away. However, for the vast majority, those lights were pretty much dampened pretty quickly by the COVID situation. However, for a very few, though, this didn't stop them. I'd like to welcome England and Frickly Athletic fan Chad Thomas, who did make that trip. Chad, you all right? Uh, good, you? Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. You're back on terra firma now, are you? Yeah, I came home yesterday. Um... It was a pretty good trip, really. All the, I, had, I had 11 nights there, but obviously the first five nights, that's quarantine. Yeah. Let's start from the beginning. How long have you been following England? Tell us a little bit about yourself. My first game ever was in 2006, when I was 15. It was Steve McLaren's first game in charge was Greece at home. Yeah. A guy of mine at Frickley, ironically enough, says that there's a spare ticket going for an England game if you fancy it, fancy a bus. Also, I was 15 years old at the time, didn't have a job, I just had a paper round. And my granddad, a very generally, he paid for me to go. And uh, I got hooked from there. Like went to every home game since then. My first away game when I joined the Travel Club membership was uh, Andorra away, 2008, when uh, Fabio Capello was in charge, was 17. Me and a friend of mine, Alex Firth, both went together. And then obviously four days later, it was uh, Croatia away, 4-1 for your World Cup trick. And it was, Andorra was great, Barcelona, going to Barcelona was great, but... That Fiore Wilcock hat trick, 4-1 Croatia in that way, and that, that, that got me hooked yeah. ever since that day. And, and that, that's what it's all started from, me following England. So you've been, been a, a regular... I'm right in saying you haven't missed many? No, uh, not, miss, not missed many. No, no. I've uh, gone on a, a trend-year run, really. Obviously, the COVID's kicked everything in now, into touch, unfortunately, yeah. for, for a lot of fans. But it's just, you've got to can't take that personal because it's, it's a worldwide thing. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, you've, you've been in the news and, and fair people know about you like for, for going yeah. out to Iceland. But you, it's not the first behind closed doors games you've been to for England, is it? No, uh, obviously, you, obviously, you know about uh, the Croatia one in uh, well, two years ago, 2018, just after World Cup, well, the Nations League again. Yeah. Um, obviously, that, uh, that was just due to Croatia, the uh, racist incident that happened three years pre- prior to that. It was um, when they was playing Italy, I, I, I believe it was split, correct me wrong. They drew a swastika sign. Well, not drew. Right. That's the, like the, the groundsman. Stupidly, why would you? Why would you? Even he burnt it into the pitch, didn't he? It was just. It was something like it, it, like it cut a swastika sign. And he, why? Just, what on earth? Like, like think. Oh, we'll just do that. It'll, it'll be fun. And uh, and then Croatia got slapped with a two game behind closed door home ban. Now they served one game. And then uh, it seems to have forgotten about, but because it was under UEFA rules, they never the qualifying campaign was for FIFA. The second game never actually got into effect, so people forgot about it. And then when the draw was made, uh, Croatia's first song goes against England. It suddenly it got reactivated, saying, "Right, they got to serve the second game." And England fans just started saying, "No, it can't happen." Mm. Anyway, unfortunately enough, it did. Uh, the problem for England fans was that they they booked up right away. Obviously, when the draws made, people do book up straight away. And uh, the draw was made, cause, and it was a double header: Croatia and Spain. Spain won game was in Seville, but the problem was a lot of people booked from Croatia to go straight to Spain. 
there's a double header, so people went out of pocket. But well, there was a good, a good 50, 60 people still went there. It, was, it, it wasn't in Zagreb, it was uh, in Mijenka, and um, it was a great city. I recommend just go there. And um, you could see 60% of the pitch on the hill, and there was a good 50, 60 England fans on top of the hill in, in Croatia watching England's very first behind closed doors game. Wow. So, I mean, great in, in, in this instance, I mean, when you say about Croatia, there are apparently people booking up well in advance. So, Iceland, we knew this was well in advance up until the uh, the COVID situation hit us. Had you booked well in advance? Even though you knew it was going to be behind closed doors, you thought, nah, sod it, I'm going. Well, um, this was the thing. I only booked to go the Thursday before the game on Saturday. Oh, but, right. So I, I never actually booked well in advance as the way I did. Uh, it, it was a spur-of-the-moment thing, like I said to many people. It was uh, on, the, on the Friday before the Saturday. So it was like eight days ago. But I thought to myself, right, because... Now, the thing is, England fans would have still gone out to Iceland if it wasn't for the five-day quarantine. They would have, because yep. lots have never been to Iceland, never played in Iceland for a long time. I can't, I can't remember the last time they played, not since they since have been a member. It was 81, fans, wasn't it? Is that how it was? Yeah, wow, wow. So even for the old school, it still would have been a trip to go to. But I reckon there could have been a couple of thousand still gone out. But three weeks prior to the game, Iceland government brought a new COVID system in. Basically, any visitor from Iceland, from outside of Iceland goes in, you have to have a quarantine for two weeks or you pay £50 for two COVID tests. Now, two COVID tests was as soon as you land in the airport, mm. you have a COVID test done right and then. Then you got to quarantine, you can't get public transport, you have to get a taxi. So you have to or, or, well, hire a car or a taxi straight to your quarantine place and then you have to quarantine there for five days and then you have to get your second COVID test done. Now, if they both came back negative, then you was fine. You then you was there to free the, free the city. So obviously, a lot of England fans are thinking, "Well, we're not going to do that." But last Friday, I thought to myself, "You know what? I've got a bit of time on my hands. I've got nothing else to do. I've never been to Iceland. England are playing. All the ingredients fit." So I just did it. Just went. I flew on the Sunday before the Saturday. Quality. So uh, was it all fairly straightforward then? Like you say, the the test yeah, uh, on arrival. Do you know what? Yeah, it was. Uh, the test was painful. Obviously, there was nerves there, just right nostril up my nose. Like, oh, uh, I've had a COVID test on before, but not like that. But uh, obviously, I had to get taxi to me to me Airbnb flat, and uh, the host was there waiting for me. Uh, he went to the shop for me, went shopping, and uh, I was stuck in my flat then for five days. Thankfully, <laughs> I, I, thankfully, I had uh, some good reading to. I was going to say, how do you entertain yourself for five days? Uh, well, I just did a lot of reading, did a bit of cooking. Uh, Played a bit of music and uh, yeah, just well, I got I had a few friends messaging me saying how are you going. Cause I, I did keep it fairly quiet because I thought if I, if I blurt it out straight away, something's going to happen. I thought a test is going to come back positive and I'll have to mm. stay there. But um, I got through it and uh, I got, obviously the first test came the first and then because uh, you got to sign you got to well, you got to, you got to pay for it before you go to the airport. Right. So you got probably details in like phone number, email address, and you have to download this app as well, the track and trace app, very good system. I got the test done six hours later, two o'clock on the Sunday, came back all clear. Then I got an email through by saying, we'll send you a barcode uh, 24 hours before your second test. That came on the Thursday. So Friday morning, I went to this centre, uh, middle of uh, middle of town, and I got the second test done. So then I had to go back and sit and wait, and uh, 20 past four that Friday, Test came through saying all negatively clear. Punched there and had a fox and said, "Right, I'm out. I'm out of quarantine now. I've done it." <laughs> I saw you. Uh, you tweeted in between us style, didn't you? 
Yeah, yeah, completed <laughs> it, which I did. Five yeah. days completed, and that was it. All done. Ah, superb. Yeah. No, well done. I mean, what what sort of reaction did you get out there? Were it like locals? Most of the locals didn't even know the game was going on. Right. Like, yeah, for football, like, what football, like, Iceland, England, it's like, all oh, right, and they just didn't realise you come, because, well, you've come out here for this, it's a bit, like, the spectators, no, no. But as soon as I got out of the, uh, the quarantine, I actually went down to the stadium and just thought, I'm going to check it out, see if you can see it, you could, you could see it all. And there was this uh, Iceland uh, TV reporter, love, uh, I think her name was Sylvana or something, very lovely lady, and she was out there doing comments, she was like, what are you doing here? I said, no, I'm coming in for the game. Then she realised, what, are you from England? She was, yeah, I'm from England. And uh, then she just couldn't, and then one thing came to her, she just couldn't believe I came out for the game. She goes, you must be the only England fan here. I went, well, I don't know anybody else. And then uh, she, she got me on Iceland TV, did an interview with her, and she was just great. Then Rob Dorsey from Sky Sports News got a wind of it and did the interview with him um, Saturday morning. And then uh, 45 minutes before kickoff, Sky News came, Adam, is it Coasters, like the European correspondent? No, did right. an interview with him as well. It, it just went... It just went solid and viral, insanely. Really, just it was just it was just mental. But I mean, it was all it was all good fun. Good stuff. I mean, I saw a few. I mean, watching on telly back home here, I saw a few England flags, St George's crosses, like dotted yeah. around the outside. I mean, were you were you the only one, or did you see anyone else out there? Uh, there was one guy called Les that was out there, uh, but the other people that was like out there were there were English people there, but they were just like couples that went out there for like two weeks. Oh, right. It just happens to coincide with the England game. I did speak to another guy, I forgot, uh, he told me his name, but I forgot. He was an electrician that lived there for two years. Obviously, he just came along because he thought, oh, well, England at this stadium. They just yeah. came along. So there's there some English there. So that's uh, for football fans. I mean, the, the England flags that were in the stadium was uh, that city flag no, like, with all the cities on that. The, yes. The England sports club. And then the, there was a West Brom flag, which was. Um, was Pat, Pat Frost, Ball, the kick man. man. Yeah, yeah, Pat Frost, sorry, yeah, that's it. Yeah, the kick that, man, that, yeah. That, that, yeah, that was his flag. I mean, he, he took it to Denmark as well. He, well, in fact, both flags were in Denmark. Yeah. You check the uh, check the ground out, and I've been to that ground before, and it's a, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's a little running track effort, but there is yeah, that yeah. area behind uh, behind each end, isn't there? Yeah, that's correct. Apparently, it's it's a norm thing. Like, look, it, even if it's not behind closed doors, people do actually go to that fence. Right. And, and they just watch football. It's, it's a normal thing. I mean, because I thought to myself, well, the police and local authorities move people away, but it's just no, it's a normal thing. And the coppers were just, they, well, they weren't bothered. They were just, really? just, just walking around, just talking to monster sense, and it was all good. There was social distancing, and uh, there's no problems at all. So did you, did you stand there and you go, oh, I can see a bit better over there and move around until you got a good pitch? Well, no, because I, I knew where I was going to stand anyway, but you couldn't. If you could stand anywhere you wanted, you could. You saw. It, I've been in worse away ends. Right. <laughs> in the, honestly, you you'd have to appreciate to see the view and how, how of how good it was just outside yeah. the fence. You could see all the action. Well, I, I was hoping they could hear me cheer them on, but uh, I did, well, and I, well, I certainly did cheer when uh, Stirling got the penalty and scored. Did so, you sing uh, the national did, anthem? I did. I did yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people were looking at me, they were just laughing and smiling. But the Iceland fans, they sang their national anthem as well. So. That's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, yes, yeah, so Sterling scored, you, you cheered there. I mean, you, you got a good view of that then? Yeah, I got a good view of that, but then I uh, also got a good view of that they're missing their penalty as well because <laughs> I thought to myself, oh, no, they're going to score here. Because it, obviously it wasn't the best performance and uh, a win was a win. It's just unfortunate that we couldn't get another win against Denmark either to keep the pressure on Belgium. Yeah, well, what did you make of the of the the international break there, of, of the performance, the selection and just the general what happened? Uh, for the Iceland or both games or both games, both games in general. 
we did look rusty, don't get me wrong, and people saying, yeah, but it's the week before the Premier League and uh, they didn't want to be there sort of thing. But I think you look, at, but you look in contrast to Belgium and they just seem to go for it and they just seem to be on, on fire. I thought, I saw somebody scrape through. Obviously, King, the King's goal shouldn't have been disallowed. That should have been a goal. Yeah. Defensively, we are all right. You know, I'd like to see us attack, attack a bit more. But against Denmark, I just think Southgate got it wrong. And uh, I think should refer refer back to four three three, like the best style that he can play. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we're not out of it. Um, yeah. I mean, people said four points, two clean sheets uh, away from home, which which in it, it, on paper it, it is good. I mean, it could have been better. And uh, I think we need. I think we need to beat to beat Belgium. I think, I think Belgium beats us at Wembley next month. I think that's it. I think it's curtains as far as the Nations League go for us. But we'll see. Worst worst things have happened in football. So we we'll just fingers crossed that we can improve next month, and hopefully Southgate has learned from the last two games. And because uh, he'll not have been pleased, he'll, I think he should be honest with himself and think, yeah, I wasn't happy with them too. So hopefully we can like, try and get six points in, in October. Yeah, no, I think October is going to be an important month, an important month for us. But uh, yeah, back to Iceland after the game, you had a bit of time out there. I know you, or it appears you're a bit of a, a traveller, like to see the world. Yeah, yeah, I think that was one of the reasons I still went to Iceland because I've never um, that was country number sixty. I've got two more European countries to go, which are Liechtenstein and Bosnia. So okay. I spent six, six nights out there, hired a car, uh, had to travel around southern Iceland. Uh, it, yeah, it was just great. It was just a bit, bit, bit exploring. Then, uh, then that's the reason why I chose not to go to Denmark because obviously it was in the big stadium. You wasn't going to see anything. I've been to Copenhagen. And I thought, well, I've currently for five nights. Might as well just make, make the most of it in Iceland, which which I did. It was all good, and I watched the Denmark game in, in Iceland bar. Uh, I went to the sports bar, and obviously Iceland and Belgium were playing at the same time as England game. Oh, yeah. And then they just went, well, it goes, well, we can pull screen down for put the England game on, but obviously it would just be the Iceland commentary. So yeah, that's more than fine. So, so they put it down Iceland. for you then, did they? Yeah, they just put it down for me. To be fair, so <laughs> it was great. So all the all the Iceland people just watching um, Iceland Belgium, and just me on me on watching the England game. <laughs> obviously, they 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 actually scored in the first five minutes. They all cheered. They did, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, which was quite good, but then obviously Belgium stepped up a game and scored. But then, obviously, but then when Kane nearly scored the last one against Denmark, it was just me, oh, like that, and everyone's looking at me thinking, we're going to have a for the England game. But um, yeah, so that's, it, it was, that was great. It was a great trip. Don't regret going, and so glad I, I did what I did. Nice one. Well, we've got a couple of months until it happens, but Belgium away. Um, I can't see us being able to see the pitch from, from outside no, uh, the ground there, but have you thought about that? Uh, the thing that concerns me about Belgium away at the minute, I mean, uh, say we're, we're talking in hindsight now, say we get tickets for, say the family can go in for Belgium and then back in their own games. Belgium is still on the quarantine list at the minute. Yeah. Obviously got to uh, 14 years quarantine and get back. Now, say we, say we got tickets, but Belgium's still on the quarantine game. For the away fans that go to Belgium, you're going to be snooker for their own game because technically it's going to be like illegal, not illegal to go. That's right. to be put bluntly. So that's the thing that worries me. But uh, if we don't get tickets and uh, it's still on the quarantine list, I'll probably will stay at home. If we don't get tickets and it's not on the quarantine list, I, I still might go out. But, um, but like you said, we'll see. There's two months left yet and a lot of things can happen. I, um, I can't see us being back in the stadium next month, which is disappointing. Yeah. I thought I thought there might have been a chance. But um, I know we've got um, now New Zealand at home as a friendly. And so that, that could potentially be the first game we're allowed back in the New Zealand uh, friendly game if uh, we're allowed back in in November but uh, it's the world's changing it changes every week so we'll just have to watch this space every day I suppose because things, things change every day 
Yeah, it's very much so. Very much so. It's, as you say, watch this space. It's a bit of a waiting game. Um, but yeah, but thank you very much for uh, for letting yeah, us no know what it was like. Yeah, um, no problems. Uh... Thank you to Chad and to John there. And you can find them both over on social media. John Devlin talks shirts on his page at True Colours Kits. And as we mentioned, he's got three books to his name, all under the True Colours name. Books one and two, and as we mentioned, the International Football Kits version. I've got all three great additions to any library. And Chad can be found on Twitter at Chad Frickley, F-R-I-C-K-L-E-Y. Uh, he's got loads of photos from that epic trip to Iceland. Thanks again to him. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, please find me on the social channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search Three Lions Podcast, or you can email threelionspodcast at gmail.com. And once again, if you are around the likes of iTunes and fancy leaving a review, please do. Always appreciated. I'll be back again soon with another of your first England away trips from another listener. So until then, look after yourselves, stay safe, stay subscribed and follow those guidelines. Cheers. Cheers.